With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. Uh, we had a little trouble getting this one started, but I am pleased to be joined by uh, Matt Jurgensen. He is one of the hosts of the Baltimore Blitz Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm just excited that we have football to look forward to this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. You know, with everything that's gone on this uh, this year, uh, I'm kind of surprised that we actually got football. Um, hopefully I said your name right because I have a history on this podcast of totally butchering names. So hopefully I was able to uh, pronounce that one right. Well, actually, to be to be fair to you, I think you said Jurgensen. I mean, that really is the correct pronunciation i mean i'm norwegian and and viking and scandinavian so uh, it's jurgensen but that's only because that's how my great-grandfather when he came over just said let's americanize it and do it that way so i i, I will answer to either so that works for me <laughs> well you see everybody butchers <laughs> my last name because it's it's a finnish name and uh, i've heard a thousand different pronunciations and the uh, american version of it is jokey but uh in finland you would pronounce it yoki so it's, you know, those, those names from overseas can be a little difficult at times. And uh, I'm glad I kind of was in the ballpark with yours. Hey, not, not a problem. Not a problem. All right. Well, we wanted to get you in here because the Browns open up uh, the 2020 season against the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. Uh, an incredible division matchup to start the year. And we want to get you in here and get your thoughts. Um other other Baltimore Ravens and, and you know see how this game is going to go and you know I, I you we would be remiss uh, not to start with the reigning NFL MVP Lamar Jackson I I know it, it was incredible to watch him grow from those first few weeks including um, that loss to the Browns in, in week four that 40 to 25 loss but to see his growth from those first few weeks throughout the rest of the season pushing into uh, the playoffs. Uh, do you think that's, some, that's something he's going to be able to continue heading into this year? Because, you know, everybody's completely thrown off with uh, the pandemic and all the different things that have gone on. So do you think that they're going to be able to carry some of that momentum and hopefully maybe him put up another MVP type season? Well, I mean, that's going to be some of the question. I mean, he had, uh, I mean, really just a, a season that was second to none. Uh, last year, um, his ability to run the ball, his ability to improvise, and to throw the ball. He ended up with 36 touchdowns against six interceptions. Uh, I think that was probably the part that really surprised people the most. I think some of that has to do with the scheme that they run, which is so run-heavy uh, with some play action. But, you know, if you think about some of the things that he can improve upon, his deep ball actually wasn't bad, but it's throwing outside the hashes that uh, he got exposed of a little bit in the uh, Titans game in the playoffs uh, that he still needs to improve upon. But it'll be very interesting as he still has that explosiveness and that ability to kind of, uh, you know, read the defense and sort of make you pick your poison. Uh, it, he should still continue to have a good year, 
uh, you would expect that from uh, the kind of skill set that he has. But uh, we'll see if he can repeat uh, what he did this past year. I know fans in Baltimore are just hoping for a playoff win, and you know, not to to beat that dead horse yet. But you know, zero zero and two so far. Not to say a lot of quarterbacks didn't start off uh, having difficulties in the playoffs, but um, we'll have to see uh, you know uh, where things start with this Sunday. You know, uh, making the playoffs would be nice. That's only something uh, the, the Browns have done once since returning in 99. And this is not the podcast to get into everything that happened before that with Baltimore. But, um, you know, do you expect him to maybe cool down the running this season with how much they, how much depth they have at running back? Because when you, when you look at uh, the running back roster that they've assembled, they have Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and then they drafted out of Ohio State J.K. Dobbins, which really grinds my gears because it, it seems like every <laughs> year the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens draft a Buckeye and he comes back to bite us in the rear every time we play him. So do you think with the amount of depth that they have at running back that Lamar is going to run less this year? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I really would not expect that this season. Um, John Harbaugh has already been kind of quoted as saying that uh, he doesn't want to see Lamar run less. Uh, I know that he was uh, definitely happy to, to watch him as he grew over this past season not take as many hits in the open field, step out of bounds a little more often. But I, I think, again, as long as he still has that explosiveness, he's still going to possess that threat in the field. Um, you know, you talked about the running trio, or I don't say trio, but the core they have here. Adding J.K. Dobbins, uh, I was a little surprised that they were able to do it. But then again, when you have a player of his caliber fall to number five, 55 overall, uh, you have to take him. Um, he's the guy that probably really has me most excited about this Ravens offense. Um, Justice Hill actually should be out this week with a thigh, but uh, he provides a, a different kind of look in the backfield. And, of course, you've got the veteran Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, who averaged about five yards a carry. So they're going to continue to be very run-heavy in this offense. Um, and, of course, the, the question is going to be, uh, can their wide receiver group uh, be able to step up production-wise as opposed to uh, to last year. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect Lamar to slow down at all in terms of running the football, at least not at this stage in his career. If if you look at the offense, I think you might have hinted it right there. What what do you see the Ravens' offense? Because it was so high power last year. The amount of points that they put up was crazy. If you look at the Ravens' offense, what's the, the biggest flaw that you see with them? The biggest flaw in terms of, and I kind of alluded to a little bit, was the production of the wide receiver group. I mean, there's a team, again, that's built to run. Uh, they use the tight ends. Mark Andrews is a top receiver, uh, had a fantastic year, but played much of last year injured. Uh, you have Nick Boyle, who is also a role player uh, that does well. And they ended up trading away Hayden Hurst, former uh, first-round pick uh, to Atlanta. Um, that'll be interesting because they really haven't found a replacement for him yet. They even brought in Crockett Gilmore, who was uh, uh, a Raven who played several years ago and has not played professionally, I think, in the last three or four years. So um, there's been a lot of talk about who would fill in that spot. Again, they're still using several tight ends in their, in their scheme. Uh, but it really comes down to the wide receivers. Can Marquise Brown take a step forward? He's another guy who played injured 
had issues with both ankles. And, uh, if, you know, we saw him over the off season. He's bulked up. He's pulling about 15 uh, pounds of muscle, uh, continues to have that blazing speed. He really needs to become the number one receiver for Lamar Jackson. But it's really also the number two, Miles Boykin, in his second year out of Notre Dame. Uh, he's a much bigger receiver. He has to step up as well. Uh, particularly become a possession receiver. So it's really about the wide receiver group. Are they going to be able to step up and provide production? Uh, you saw not too long ago the Ravens were kicking the tires on Des Bryant. Uh, they did not bring him in and sign him yet, but if they continue to have issues uh, over the beginning parts of the season, they, uh, they may go back to him. So for me, it's about the wide receiver group. Uh, going back to that playoff game, and you talked about Lamar having trouble throwing out outside the hashes. Is, was that on the receivers, yeah. or was it just a, a scheme thing that the Titans did to uh, force him to throw that? I, I I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, when you go back to that game, um, you know, there were a lot of things, again, I think like most games, a lot of things that if, if the play goes your way, uh, there was a ball that clanged off of, Mark Andrews' hands. Uh, there were some turnovers. Uh, the Ravens were pretty much, uh, you know, in, in an issue where they were they were put at a disadvantage for a lot of the first half, and still were only down by seven by halftime. Uh, and then, of course, Derrick Henry was able to really take over, particularly in the second half. Um, some of that, I think, was probably scheme, and some of that was, you know, uh, you, you saw at times, particularly that game, Lamar was not nearly as comfortable dropping back and finding receivers. So, and we know again, you know, when it comes to watching playoff football as opposed to the regular season, everything gets cranked up several notches. And, uh, you know, again, I think this is a really young team. When you look around at the skill positions, they still have a relatively young squad, and that also means inexperience. So uh, you still have a lot of guys that were getting their first taste of playoff football. So it will be interesting. I mean, the idea, at least around here and the buzz, has been that this team uh, would be able to compete uh, for being that, you know, that AFC representative along with Kansas City. So that's the goal. Uh, we'll see how they can step forward, uh, not just this Sunday, but over the next uh, quarter of, the, of this uh, new season. You know, the, the Ravens, you know, reloaded on defense. There were some struggles there last year, but they, they brought in Clayus Campbell uh, via trade. Uh, they drafted Patrick Queen, uh, the linebacker. How do, what kind of growing pains do you see from this defense, especially, you know, with the pandemic, not really being able to tackle, not, you know, the Ravens have always been a physical team, and I, I don't think they won't be able to do that, but what, what kind of growing pains do you think ha, it, uh, implementing these guys into their defensive system, and, you know, will they have trouble early on in the season? Is it going to take them a, a few weeks to kind of get everything together? Yeah, I think you would definitely expect some growing pains. I mean, when you look at the defense, um, the strength was in the secondary. You had two first-team All-Pros in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey on the corners. Um, but, again, you had some issues in the middle. You know, replacing C.J. Mosley was not easy, who left for New York. Uh, so drafting Patrick Queen addresses that. Malik Harrison also, uh, again, another, uh, uh, another guy who should hopefully provide some help uh, in the middle. And, but the biggest thing, again, is Calais Campbell. Um, not only, again, is he a Pro Bowl player, but the leadership that he's provided to this group is really what has been telling coming out of camp. 
Um, so again, the idea and Derek Wolf as well, again, coming from Denver. So, you know, they really look to on paper address the issues that they had up the middle of the defense. Um, and of course, you know, I'd be remiss not to mention that Earl Thomas was sent packing. Um, I know for probably a lot of people outside of Baltimore, that was seen as kind of a shocking move. Um, but for most of us around here, the rumblings had kind of started even going back to week three uh, during that loss to Cleveland. Um, Thomas was, uh, of all people, calling out Brandon Williams because he did not play in that game and was hurt. And uh, Williams, again, is one of the more respected members of the locker room. And, uh, you know, Thomas never really quite fit in with the, uh, the team concept of the Ravens. He was freelancing too much and uh, didn't seem to be uh, totally focused. And for that huge paycheck that he got, um, you know, he ended up getting in a fist fight at, at practice and then was let go. So it'll also be really interesting to see how Deshaun Elliott, who uh, is a third-year player, he's slated to take over that spot for Earl Thomas. Will he be able to, uh, you know, to play at a high level? He's certainly not going to play at Thomas's level, is he going to be able to play uh, and, and give the Ravens what they need at the back of the defense? Yeah, you, you even saw in, in that matchup with the Browns uh, early on in the season, uh, that, that long run that Nick Chubb had, how, how quickly uh, Earl Thomas seemed to give up on the play, which, you know, kind of, you know, calling other people out for, for not playing. That kind of, you know, mm-hmm. makes you scratch your head and, I think it's kind of telling that uh, he's not anywhere else right now. So, um, you know, maybe that that's a addition by subtraction for the, the Baltimore locker room, which you know, and let's be completely honest, over the last 21 years has has been a, a, a place of um, really solid character people and people who are, are, are well respected. You know, whether you go back to, to Ray Lewis and, and Ed Reed and um, you know, all, all the great defensive players that the, the Ravens have had uh, over the years. And, um, you know, he's just a, a guy I just didn't seem to, to fit in. So um, we'll see how his, uh, you know, replacement does, like like you mentioned. And when, when you look at the, the, the defense and their, their potential weaknesses, you know, in that matchup with the Browns, Nick Chubb ran all over the field in a playoff game against the Titans, um, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry uh, racked up a ton of yards. Is that the way to, to beat this Baltimore football team? Is not only run against the defense, but um, put, pretty much play ball control to, to keep up uh, or, or to try to keep Lamar Jackson off the field? I don't think that's a – I certainly don't think that's a bad idea. Last year, this defense – did struggle against the run. They gave about 4.4 yards per carry. Um, you mentioned, you know, Nick Chubb going wild in, in week three, and, and certainly Derrick Henry, everybody saw on a national stage. So when you look at that, yeah, that's, that's going to be the big question. You know, can Patrick Queen uh, solidify the middle? Uh, can some of their new additions up front do the job in slowing the run game? Uh, because, yeah, I would agree. Right now, uh, the Ravens appear to be very healthy, I only saw three people really on the injury report. No one really of consequence aside from Chris Moore, who's really just a special teamer, but everyone's pretty much healthy. And that'll be really the test for this defense. Um, If, you know, to try to make teams one dimensional and force them in third and long and force them to pass because that's really their strength. But I would think, you know, going forward that that's kind of the way to go. I mean, 
Um, not only am I really you know, worried about Nick Chubb and making sure that they keep him in check, my bigger concern probably is Austin Hooper because of his ability to get to the middle of the field. You know, will, will Patrick Queen be able to drop back in coverage? Um, so, again, I think it's running the ball, using play action, and then certainly taking your shots. You know, the Browns, we know, have some weapons. You know, you have Jarvis Landry. You have OBJ. You've got, you've got some talent there and um, some talent that certainly scare you. Um, but I would think that that would probably be the Cleveland game plan, run the ball, use play action, and then take your shots downfield. And, uh, yeah, keeping Lamar Jackson off the field is certainly a good plan uh, as long as you can hold on to the football and make sure you convert you know, your third downs, and uh, don't settle for field goals. Try to put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, you know, that, that's kind of what happened in that uh, that second matchup where, you know, the Browns were up big, and then they started settling for field goals, and then uh, it was a blink of the eye, and the, the Ravens had to leave before halftime. I was actually at that game and really couldn't believe what happened at, at that point heading into halftime. Like, well, this one's over. And, uh, you know, as an outsider, you know, looking in, um, somebody that, that's in Baltimore, looking at Cleveland uh, from from a different perspective, you see, you mentioned the, the weapons that this team has on offense, uh, OBJ, Landry, uh, Hooper, Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Um, there's a lot of people are really talking about the uh, rookie tight end, Harrison Bryant. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think it's going to take for the this team to click? Is it is it just going to be average quarterback play from Baker Mayfield, or um, do, do you see it, it being another uh, thing that's going to take this to get this team going? Um, I would say again, someone on the outside looking in, there's really two things that to me need to change and need to improve for Cleveland to be in the playoff, in playoff contention and to be in the picture. The first is at head coach, okay? Kevin Stefanski, I think, was a good choice. I think it will be interesting to see what he does with the offense to try to help Baker Mayfield. Um, but when you look at how many head coaches, I know I, no, I don't have to tell you how many head coaches you've had over the years. And, you know, on the other side, we've got John Harbaugh, who's headed into his 13th year at the helm. And it's that kind of stability that you need. You need to build over several years. And it seems like at times the ownership or general manager, they don't have the, uh, the patience. They don't have, um, you know, they don't feel like they've got their right guy. And then and you end up moving on and you've got a new guy coming in and a new system and new verbiage and all this kind of stuff. And then, of course, it is Baker Mayfield. I mean, he, he had his struggles last year. I mean, you can't you know, throw for 22 touchdowns and have 21 interceptions and expect that to be good enough. Um, I think I like some of the things, at least on that perspective of what Kevin Stefanski wants to do, try to simplify some things for him, make his read a little bit easier, maybe use more play action, use the middle of the field. And um, it's, it's really what it comes down to. I mean, and you're right. I don't think it has to be Baker Mayfield has to be great. I think he has to be good I think he has to be you know almost just competent running this offense he's got a great running back in Nick Chubb he's got plenty of guys to throw the ball to um, and it seems like they upgraded the offensive line I know that was an issue as well in the past so to me it's all about that stability providing stability underneath center but also uh, on the sidelines and uh, once you start getting some things going then it becomes uh, contagious 
And I think you could build off that. But plenty of talent in Cleveland, those things need to change for them to kind of reach that next step. Yeah, you know, the the biggest question is the defense. You know, with uh, the injuries that they've had, losing Joe Schobert in free agency, um, you know, it looks like Greedy Williams might not play uh, th- this weekend. I, I know he didn't practice today. Uh, not having Mac Wilson, who was projected to, the, to take Joe Schober's spot in the middle of the defense, mm-hmm. uh, you know they're, they're kind of running. I know they switched to uh, pretty much a four-two-five base defense, but uh, you know with all the injuries that they've had, I, I can't imagine it's going to be very easy to to stop this Ravens defense uh, on Sunday, let alone any defense in the NFL. And you just kind of hope that the the offense can do their best to keep up in terms of scoring points and with the weapons I, I think is certainly possible but um, you know Baker just doesn't have to force things I, I've he needs to be more of a, a, a distributor uh, of the football more so than trying to force things and there were a lot of times last year and you know 21 interceptions I, I mean you saw him, him force a lot of things and forcing trying to force a, a lot of stuff to Odell to, to try mm-hmm. to keep him happy and it just wasn't a, a good mix last year, and a lot of that had to do with the play calling, and that was just a, a, a disaster. And I, I really believe that Stefanski's going to do a better job of that uh, this season. But um, you know, I, we, the defense is where I, I really see us struggling this year, and they're going to have to step up big time. I know the defensive line is good, but it's everything else behind that that is going to be a question mark. Mm-hmm. I know, and I guess just, again, outside looking in, you're right, you know, you have a talent like Miles Garrett coming back, and he was somebody that didn't play in that uh, in that second game last year. You know, he's probably chomping at the bit and ready to play. Um, but I do understand, you know, you look at some of the injuries, particularly, again, linebacker and, and uh, corner uh, that look like they're are, are present for this upcoming matchup. Um, again, there is talent on that side of the ball, too. But um, I agree, when you look at those things besides getting the offense clicking, uh, the defense needs some players to step in and to step up uh, to allow the offense to, to, to do some work and not just getting shootouts every Sunday. When you look at this division, you know, it's, it's uh, a three team race. I, I would say I would, I want to put like the, put the Browns directly behind the Ravens. I, I would put them more as like a two B team behind Pittsburgh, but I, I've, with the expanded playoffs and more teams getting in, I, I kind of feel like all three of the, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns can somehow sneak their way into the playoffs this season. Do you kind of have that sentiment as well? Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I mean, we look at the division. I know we always feel like our division is, or has been over the years, a pretty strong division. I mean, right now you have Cincinnati, with Joe Burrow, they're kind of in rebuilding mode. It'll be interesting to see how he does in his rookie year. And then, of course, you've, you've got the Steelers. Um, Roethlisberger is, of course, the key. You know, is, is he, uh, as he comes back this year, is he going to be able to still conjure up some of that magic that he's done over the years? Or is he finally going to really start to wind down his career? And are you going to see um, you know, his, his production start to drop? And that's really going to be you know, the, the key for them certainly offensively is if, is if he can play well, they'll always have a shot. Uh, to me, the Steelers have always been kind of the masters of the, uh, 
13-10 game for years. You know, they, they, the defense is good enough that they hold you down, they get you down in this kind of a slugfest, and, uh, you know, they always end up kind of finding ways to win in the end. Uh, and then there's this period of times where the offense has really clicked, and it's interesting seeing them now that, you know, Le'Veon Bell is gone, and, and, and you know, some of the wide receivers they had, or, you know, Antonio Brown's gone. And, you know, for a small period of time, they were really an offense that could crank up points. Uh, but I don't know. They're a team you kind of look at every year to go, is this the year they finally really go down? And I know last year, once Roethlisberger was injured, they, you know, they had, some, they had their struggles. But I don't know. It really comes back to Roethlisberger for me. So it is kind of to me like Ravens won and sort of Steelers and Cleveland battling it out for two. And I agree, all three could end up with a change in the playoff scenario. All right. Uh, as an outsider looking in, uh, you know, as somebody who hates the Steelers as much as uh, we do, <laughs> what did you think of uh, Helmet Gate uh, that went down against them last year? Uh, I think, like most things, it really, again, depends on your point of view. Certainly, uh, the Pittsburgh fans will have their point of view, and certainly the the Cleveland fans will have their point of view. But, you know, I, man, I, I kind of look at it. I mean, I, I think that, you know, Rudolph certainly had some uh, instigating issues and measures in there. Um, you know, you usually don't just pull the bonnet off of somebody and whack them in the skull. Uh, if not for some kind of good reason. So um, I don't know. It's always hard because you're kind of, you have to make your decision on how you feel about it based on outside information and just kind of like what you see. And I know kind of what I saw somebody reacting to something that they thought was uh, a pretty egregious kind of thing. And um, it's interesting again, you know, you saw how, uh, how the, the, the punishment that was handed down to Garrett and Rudolph, uh, you know, doesn't really get a whole lot. So I don't know, I guess, uh, again, to be, to, to, as someone again, who doesn't necessarily have a horse in this fight, but, uh, I agree 100% with you that I am certainly not a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so yeah, I, I would probably side a little bit more on the side of, uh, Miles Garrett. All right, let's get down to, uh, predictions on Sunday. When it's all said and done, uh, between the Browns and Ravens on Sunday at around 4.15, 4.30. Um, who is going to come out on top and, and take a 1-0 lead in the division? Uh, I expect this to be a really good game. Um, and I know, you know, without seeing any preseason action, you know, here we are in week one, and a lot of people uh, really can only go on what, what you know, which is, all right, what happened last year. And, of course, it's hard because last year was last year. You've got new players. You've got another year, all those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, even though this is technically a road game for Cleveland, there will be no fans on the stands. And I know as someone who has uh, made it a habit to go to several Ravens games a year, um, it's a great atmosphere to go watch a game. Um, and it's uh, people really get after it. It's exciting. It's loud. And um, that's just not going to be there. So besides the travel – um, there's not going to be that much of an advantage to, um, you know, basically playing at home. Um, but for my money, at least for right now, uh, I've got this as a close game. I've got this as a high-scoring game, 
I do think that Baltimore wins out 31 to 24 uh, in what should be uh, a game full of offensive fireworks. I think there should be a lot of scoring in this, and uh, it should be a fun one of one of the more intriguing and interesting fun matchups in the NFL in week uh, in the first week of action. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think this is going to be very high scoring. I also think that it's going to be very undisciplined. I think there's going to be a lot of penalties early on with, um, you know, not having the preseason and not really getting used to uh, the officials this year. So I, I, I think that early on it's going to be kind of sloppy, but I also think it's going to be high scoring. And uh, by sloppy, I also mean I think there's going to be a, a lot of missed tackles, a, a lot of big chunk plays, and uh, it's going to be, I think, exciting football to watch at, at the beginning of the year, and then it'll kind of come back down to normal as teams kind of get into the groove of everything. But I, I, I'm, I haven't made an official pick yet because I, I always wait around the fence mm-hmm. right till the end. And but I, I'm leaning towards the Ravens just because, um, you know, it, it's the the reigning MVP. The, the Browns defense is kind of. Um, in a, in a bind right now, and, and I'm not sure week one that our offense is going to go out there full firepower. I, I know that um, a lot of people expect them to, especially with the talent that's on the field, but I, I think that uh, it's going to be a little bit of a slow start as they try to adjust to a new head coach, and with Baltimore having the same system in there with Harbaugh for so many years, I, I think that uh, you know they definitely have the edge in this one, and unfortunately... Uh, the, the Ravens are going to come out victorious week one. All right. Well, I, I, I definitely like the way you think on that, but I do agree. I mean, there are some things specifically. I mean, one thing that really has helped Baltimore is that they didn't lose either of their coaches. I mean, they were both interviewed for head coaching jobs. Um, so, you know, you had uh, Don Martindale on the defense and, um, you know, he, he was somebody who was looked at, of course, and, and didn't get a job. And same with Greg Roman. So both guys are back as well as the head coach. So they can hopefully continue to build upon uh, what they instituted last year. So I think that's another thing that's really going to, to help them as we get out to a start. But, I mean, look, it's, it's week one. It's the NFL. We're going to see football that counts. We're just going to see football. So there's a lot to be happy about, a lot to be excited about, as we hopefully slowly uh, get back to some kind of normal amidst all this craziness that uh, we've been thrown into over the last, you know, seven, eight months. Yeah, I know. I was really happy to watch uh, some college football this last Saturday. I was so happy that Marshall and Eastern Kentucky were on television. And even though that was a blowout game, it was nice to sit down and and watch a little bit and and kind of, uh, you know, see how how weird it's going to be watching football without full – uh, stadiums. I, I know some will have uh, some places will have some fans. Uh, like there were twelve thousand people at the the Marshall game I was watching, which is like a third of their capacity. Mm-hmm. So I, I know uh, there will be fans at Browns games. Uh, they said the ten percent, which is around six thousand. Uh, I don't know how much mm-hmm. of a difference that's going to be. It's going to be very interesting to watch and, and kind of hear if they're going to have them on top of the um, the pumped in crowd noise. So. It's a weird year, but like you said, I'm glad that we're getting football, and uh, hopefully it's a really exciting year for, for both our teams. I, I know, uh, I, I think that when it comes to down to the divisional race, it's going to 
uh, be interesting at least until you know week 13 or 14, which you know you know many years that um, the Browns are, are kind of out of it halfway through the season, and we're already talking the draft. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a weird year, that's for sure. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm glad that we get to watch football on Sunday. Yeah, I know. Like you said, that uh, it's going to be different depending on where you go. I know in Baltimore we had uh, had hopes. I think they said they were going to have about 7,000 fans. They did finally announce last week that they were going to have no fans, um, at least until further notice. Now, that may be something that changes if conditions improve, and they've said that they'll kind of revisit that. But, yeah, I mean, look, hope springs eternal, right? I mean, everyone's 0-0 to start. Um, and that's part of being a fan. I mean, you know, it's the fact that you follow your team, you, you, you uh, prepare, you get ready, and then uh, you click on the TV or you get out to the game, and, and hopefully, you know, you cheer your team on, and hopefully you, you walk away happy after three hours. And if not, you get to do it all over again the following week. So the NFL's back. I know I'm excited. I know so many people are excited um, to just hopefully feel like things are normal. It will be really interesting to see. Um, because, you know, watching the NBA playoffs and, and watching some other sporting events, uh, it, it, again, it's, it's sports, but it's not quite the same. So uh, hopefully the NFL will proceed and it will be able to go with no stoppages uh, all the way to, uh, to the Super Bowl. Yeah, hopefully we get that. And, and like you said, hopefully there's no stoppages. Hopefully, you know, you don't see situations that's kind of happened in, in baseball with, um, you know, multiple players and people in organizations um, testing positive where, you know, they've had to postpone games and do doubleheaders and do all kinds of things. And, um, you know, hopefully we can go under, uninterrupted until the Super Bowl and, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully one of our teams is in it. I, hopefully it's not the Ravens because – <laughs> sure. Super Bowl should be ours, but again, that's a conversation for a different story or for a different day. Um, Matt, I, I really appreciate yeah. you um, battling through all the technical problems we had trying to get this thing started. Uh, if you want to let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter, where they can uh, read your work, where they can listen to uh, the Baltimore Bliss podcast, uh, the floor is yours. Sure, sure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, um, I am Matt Jurgensen, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Jurgs, and uh, you can find my work at BaltimoreSportsPub.com. Baltimore Sports Pub, um, we actually do a daily podcast. My uh, co-host, Brent Harris, who has covered the team since its inception in 1996, he's worked at Comcast and does the post-game show on 105 The Fan. He and I have been longtime friends, um, so he uh, – created this site and he and I have been doing the Baltimore Blitz now going on our second year. And, uh, we actually got to get ready to record our weekly podcast tomorrow. And you can find that pretty much anywhere where you find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., And, uh, any of the other work again, you can find at BaltimoreSportsClub.com. So I definitely appreciate you having me and, uh, here's the football. Yes, here's the football. Uh, I'm glad uh, we get to watch uh, Houston, Kansas City tomorrow night. That should be a, a very fun game. And uh, as we get on yep. out here, uh, be sure to follow uh, the Dogland on Twitter at the Dogland. Be sure to follow me at Anthony Jokey. Uh, you can find me there as well. Um, with all that, we're going to get on out here. I really appreciate uh, Matt coming on and, and talking some Ravens. Me and Jack, 
uh, will be on uh, within the next couple of days to, to kind of give a, a final preview for the game and, and give our uh, predictions as we head into Sunday as well as any other kind of uh, breaking news that happens um, as we pre prepare for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Until then, and as always, go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.